when I DJed for Rihanna at her Fenty Beauty uh, launch party in Sydney, it was just, it wasn't chill. It wasn't. <laughs> and she was just so, so beautiful and just such a human in real life. Hi girls and welcome to another episode of Beauty Boss, the podcast about all things beauty and beyond. I'm Jackie from the team at Girlfriend and I'm joined by my work wife Alana. Hello there. Thank you for the introduction, my delightful work wifey. Today we're speaking to our favourite funny girl, Flex Mommy. You may have seen this gal on MTV, but Flex Mommy is so much more than a pretty face. She's a DJ, author, YouTuber, greeting card creator, and all-round funny girl. And there is literally not a single eyeshadow colour this girl can't pull off. Welcome to GFHQ Flex. I just love that so much. And I'm (laughs) going to need that in a single recording that I can use for my phone ringtone. So everybody knows... Who I am and what I do. <laughs> we are your heart girls through Absolutely. and through. Absolutely. That was really lovely. Like, Everyone's like, hi, how are you? I'm like, one second, I've got a recording that I can share with you before we continue. <laughs> <laughs> Here are all my accolades. Pre-prepared bio. <laughs> but seriously, Flex, you have wiggled your toes into so many different career paths. What did you sort of start with first? I started working in PR uh, because I saw Kelly Catrone on the hills and she seemed like a great woman. (laughs) She was very A-type, very alpha, but also just got it done. And I was like, I can also do that. And at that time, PR wasn't really – I didn't really know what it was, but I knew they went to like cool parties and had a privileged lifestyle. So I was like, I want in on that. (laughs) And then I studied PR and I was like, this is not it. It was all theory. It was all very dry. Um, And then I was like, I'm very bored and this is very monotonous and it's not what I had in mind. And then I was like, I'm going to, I need a hobby. I need a hobby that gratifies me. And at the time I was like, I really like music, but I don't want to learn how to play an instrument because I just don't have enough hours in a day to commit to it. And so I went out to this club and I was like, I want to be your door person, please. I want to hear the music and I also want to get paid to do it. (laughs) And then it just, and and then that's how it all started. A humble door person job. (laughs) Humble. (laughs) And of all of the jobs, which was the most challenging to kind of get your foot in the door with? I would say presenting because you would think if you have a natural knack for speaking, it'd be quite easy to do. But it's such a nuanced field and you don't realise how much of – sort of presenting and, and, and engaging an audience is visual. It's your hand. It's how you're inflecting. It's how you're connecting. It's interpersonal. And I just thought I needed a personality. And I was like, i got to remember scripts. Nobody said I had to do that. And it was very awkward. And it really made me very insecure about a skill I thought I had. I walked in. I was like so braggadocious, like, I'm great at chatting. Cool. And then I got to <laughs> hire me. Hire me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, where do I send this invoice? Uh, and then it got to filming and I was like, I feel really awkward and insecure and nobody will tell you're doing poorly because they don't want to add to the insecurity bubbling. So I was like, it's no, honestly, it's yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but now I'm doing well because when I go into film, it's one take and I'm like, yes, we're doing it. You go, girl. <laughs> and I mean, do you ever find it difficult to go in and sell your skills without being like, overly 
cocky or like I'm so good at everything I try Mm, yes but I do think that's the foundation of persuasion you've just got to believe it and I think that fundamentally I do believe I'm really good at these things I do so it's not like I'm doing a lot of persuading I'm like if you don't believe me let's look at the resume let's have a look at the CV really quickly we'll just go through clause 1 to 22 (laughs) Um, but it is really sometimes you know I think working when I was working in like a traditional office space, it was really easy to kind of uh, work through any insecurities you had because you could see the experiences of your colleagues and you'd know that we all had bad days and we all sometimes didn't weren't as productive as we'd like to be or whatever it might have been. But when you work for yourself, you just do it so insularly where you're kind of like, am I drinking my own Kool-Aid? Like, am I doing as well as I think I am? And everybody's validating you constantly and nobody's managing your expectations about how you're meant to progress. So sometimes you're like, oh, okay, this week felt like a good week, but I don't really know. And, you know, maybe I did that job, but nobody gave me any, like, any feedback. So maybe maybe I didn't do so well. And it's a grey area, but as long as you kind of keep your morale up, party of one at all times, <laughs> <laughs> then you'll be okay. You said that you, um, you know, got into PR because you saw their lifestyle and the cool events and everything that they went to. Now, seeing where you are, is this sort of the life that you saw yourself having when you were in high school? Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> right? Can't, yes and no. I think that I was looking at it uh, from a really naive one-dimensional perspective. I really used to identify as an extrovert, so those things were quite... Um, enticing like people all the time dressing up always on and then I turned 23 and 24 and I was like I just want to don't want to talk to anyone ever and I don't want to have to keep on becoming a character of myself to maintain this like personality that you find yourself doing when you work in these media creative spaces like you don't walk into a venue and say I don't really feel like chatting today I don't really feel like giving you the experience that you've consumed virtually and so I think yeah it's now I'm in this space where I'm kind of managing everyone else's expectations of me and like I'm allowed to kind of be a bit placid and not have much to say and maybe not you know be the most outlandish person in the room. And I think when people give you the room to also be a complex character and to not sort of fulfill their ideals of how you should behave, it gets easier. But if you're in that weird territory when you're stuck in a box and you can't escape, I'd imagine it'd be pretty difficult. What about MTV? How did you start? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know how sometimes you rely on your memory? You're kind of like, did it, is that how it happened? Is that how I would like it to have happened? I'm not sure. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> but... Because, you know, quick side note, I was doing some research that told me that your brain can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy. Yes. So if you think about things a lot, like situations that you've experienced where you would like, I would have done it differently, or you sort of like, um, yeah, you avalanche it into an alternate scenario, then your brain thinks that's what happened. Um, That's my life currently. I do a lot of thinking (laughs) and I'm like, oh, did I? But this is how I think it happened. This is how I'm choosing to tell the story. No, so I think there was a like a, a a producer that was working freelance for MTV at the time wanted to do a feature on me, like an It Girls profile, and then they left, and so the profile ceased to be. And then I emailed MTV and said, "Hey, I want to be a presenter." And then they said, "Do you have any experience?" And I lied and said, "It's all in coming. It's all happening. It's like I'm. It's, there are bits and pieces <laughs> in the works at the moment, and it's all coming together." And they said, great, come in and do a screen test. But the issue was I was working full time and not really aware that I didn't have time to do it. So I had to sort of like get a day off work to go do this other work thing. And it was just very like it was just 
so convoluted. But yes, it was an email. But I think it was also serendipitous that they needed a music presenter and I happened to be a DJ at the time. And I mean, with all of the different jobs that you do and like jumping around, do you ever find that people have the kind of misconception that you're you don't work because it's not a nine to five job. Absolutely. And sometimes I feel like I don't work either. So (laughs) maybe it's not a misconception. (laughs) Um, But I also think that there is this like commodification of like busyness. Like we all got to love being busy and like we're hustling and we're rising and we're grinding and everything's so hard and we never (laughs) have any time. And then you just kind of take accountability for your poor time management. And then you're like, no, it's okay. We've got time to do it all. Definitely the perception of me not being busy is one that I've stopped fighting because how people feel about me is not my business you know I can't convince you that I'm really working hard and I'm and I'm you know kicking goals it's just you let the results speak for themselves and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't and I think there has been certain situations where I haven't worked really hard at all and have been validated to the point where I'm like whoa like what has happened here like I've put in no effort and everybody's praising me for this thing they think I've worked really hard to do or vice versa when I put in all this effort and nobody said anything so I had to stop trying to please an invisible audience that I made up in my head that's always watching and waiting to like comment <laughs> always watching always watching <laughs> what what about your DJing how did that start so when I was like in that really sort of like monotonous soul draining job that I really liked that made me um like nuanced and objective but it was just so many hours of the day just being unhappy so I needed a hobby and I was a door person and as I was a door person I met a a few club promoters as you do and I noticed that they were paying people to DJ when nobody was in the club and I was like well what if I did that (laughs) and they're like but you can't DJ and I was like yeah but you see the thing is I could learn and then because I didn't have a job when nobody was paying to get inside the venue so I was just sitting there for three hours as like due diligence you know yeah just saying hello to people who just walk in right by me so to me it just made so much sense and then it was like teaching myself via the internet and then my brother used to be a producer and then meeting people but I think it was the perception of me that got me the job really because I was always out and everyone just assumed I did something so when I said I was a (laughs) DJ and couldn't DJ they were like makes sense and so that's how it happened. And for that same reason, nobody helped me be better because they were like, she knows what she's doing. She's doing it. <laughs> don't so, question her. Don't question it. She's, she's in and around. She's here often. She must know. So I was terrible for a long time. Then I got good. <laughs> I mean, so good that you ended up DJing at Listen Out last year. You know, that would have been crazy, like the size of the audience alone. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's interesting because I don't want to like downplay the reality of my life, but it really just is a job. And I often say DJing is way more like anthropology and human behavior than it is music because like the music is subjective. I mean, like what is good music to a crowd of people who you don't know and who don't know you? You're just facilitating their experience. So you kind of just like watch what people are responding to and then like lean in and pander to it. So in those kind of festival environments, obviously it's quite nerve-wracking but you really are just like reading the room and then like playing the song that suits the vibe it's just like it's a game you know you're kind of like you like that I'll play that you this is happening I'll play that you need a drink we're gonna play a down tempo song it's so cool and so it's hard to be present in those moments because you really are just doing like human calculating you know and then it's in retrospect you're like well that was cool like that was 10,000 people and you were all there and I was here and you all loved it. And I loved it, you know. It's really cool. It's, it's the feedback that comes like afterwards. It's so nice. Like, you made my day. I'm like, thanks. 
you know. <laughs> but in the time, you're just you're thinking a lot, and it's quite disconnected. Because if you can imagine, you facilitate the whole party experience, but you're not part of the party. Like you don't get to enjoy what's happening there. It's like it's at the result of what you're doing. It's fun, but it's also like it's all this. Like it's you're in, in your head, and that's why people are like well, DJs don't look like they're having fun. Like why why aren't you dancing? Why aren't you concentrating? Like why aren't you just engaging? It's like well I can't because when I do, then the song is finished, and then I've got to find a new one. So, are there any artists that you are obsessed with right now? Are you loving? I don't want to say hard no. But, okay, but but I would say. And my affinity for Rihanna is still very strong. I don't know if I have the capacity to obsess like I used to. I think I was like a proper stan, like first waiting in line four hours before the the, the concert and, and, you know, had post notifications on everyone I loved. But she still has a place in my heart. And Solange, just the two of them elevated in my heart forever. Aww, Solange has a place in my heart too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd hope we'd be friends, but you just never know. You could be friends. <laughs> Let's talk about your name because I know mm. when we were doing introductions just before, you're like, whatever rolls off your tongue. Yeah. Where, where did Flex come from? It was a gift. It was gifted, <laughs> to, it was gifted to me because I needed a DJ name. It was all happening so rapidly. And I was like, I've got to I need a moniker. And so a friend of mine, we used to say Flex a lot, but we tried to Google Flex and that name was taken on all the social platforms and so that was never going to work and then we were looking for just little things to add on it could have been a Flex anything at the time but then Mommy was one of those ones I was like well let's just stop there because I need to make this Instagram quick so <laughs> that's how it happened but it was gifted it was like a it was a collaborative effort and maybe if I knew it, it would have stuck I might have been a bit more considered about what the name was but <laughs> Now it's just we're here with it. Well, you do so many videos and I noticed even in your bio, we were looking at it before, you have the correct pronunciation. Absolutely. I just didn't know. It'd be, it's like I've been getting Flexi Mommy, Flex Miami, um, <laughs> uh, Miami Flex. It's just like it's this whole thing. I'm like, you can just say Flex. It's okay. Like we can shorten it. Or Lil or Lillian. It's just I'm not attached to it, but the naming conventions are causing me problems. <laughs> <laughs> You're always super real in all of your videos. Is it scary sort of putting yourself out there? No. Because <laughs> do you know what? Let's think about it. Let's say you put yourself out there, your wholly genuine self, and people don't like it. And it's pretty terrible. But let's say you create a facade of yourself and people don't like it. <laughs> that would be terrible. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like you're always going to be trying to appease an audience that – you might that might not like you at any point in time. So the quicker you get to the point where you're like, this is how I would like to position myself in my life. This is how I feel about it. And we're just going to have to make do because the alternative is that I create a false narrative and you still don't like me. So let's go yeah. with the easier option. It's way easier to be consistent when you're just trying to like perpetuate what you feel is as you as possible. I think the issue with like the whole being real narrative is everyone's like, oh, but I don't know who I am and I'm scared to be a hypocrite and I'm scared to contradict myself. And that's all part of learning and growth. You've got to lean into it. Be a hypocrite once or twice and then you learn something and then you're a yeah. fully developed person <laughs> and then you might contradict yourself and you're like, well, but I'm a complex narrative. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people like it's it, it would be so hard to to exist in a space where you want to be perfect and sort of morally sound and super ethical and and we just don't have that information like we're all so young and just so underdeveloped in so many ways 
only using 10% of our brain capacity. Like, give us some time. When you're coming up with content, be it greeting cards, YouTube, Instagram, where is that source that you kind of pull all of your inspiration from? Is it just straight up you or is it things that you see and people are doing the way that culture and society is kind of moving? An amalgamation of all of those things. I think like fundamentally the way my brand exists is that I'm in this space where I'm kind of like everyone, but not really like everyone. So it doesn't really help me to, you know, follow the same path that everybody else has been because it just, it doesn't really add up. So I think when I'm creating things like, you know, hand fans or content series, like who are you actually? and what do you actually want to talk about what would you actually buy I don't really buy a lot of t-shirts do I want to make a t-shirt not really but a hand fan (laughs) yes I'm always sweating and I would always like to regulate my body temperature things like that and I know it's kind of like it would be much easier to just do what's been done and do it well and follow that footpath and blah 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 but again you know where that ends like you, you can see the trajectory of careers that you copy you know you know when they fall off you know when they succeed it's like you give yourself like not a glass ceiling like a legit what are ceilings made out of these days concrete <laughs> <laughs> wood you give yourself a ceiling that's not opaque or <laughs> opaque look you know where I'm going with this <laughs> so yeah it's um it's a lot of thinking outside of the realm of like what makes a good business and more so like what do I actually feel like I'd be happy to invest my own money into and what do I feel happy to have associated with me until kingdom come and yeah. that is a hand fan and <laughs> greeting cards (laughs) (laughs) and I mean another thing that you're doing completely out of the realm of what is mainstream and current is your makeup it's always so colorful and so out there and it seems like a real expression of yourself and how you're feeling like how did you get to become confident enough to just go for it Mm. (laughs) (laughs) well I think that I discovered mm, let's say four let's get let's say four years ago that although I think I may be like super important in the grand scheme of the billions of people that exist are not that important and people really aren't thinking about me as much as they're thinking about their own insecurities their own flaws their own nuances and so I kind of thought well if I wasn't bogged down by the idea that someone's judging me what would I do and how would I wear it and color's always been something that I wanted to experiment with but the beauty community what was out there just didn't align with how I wanted to express myself so I thought if I could take sort of the way I dressed and put it on my face what would that look like (laughs) Uh, and that was like a lot of colored wigs and a lot of colored makeup for a long time and that was great really enjoyed that love all of it will continue to do so but I think that I wasn't prepared for the connotations of being so colorful not that it's a negative but it's just like as I said, I've moved away from being like a token extrovert. And so the conversations that are being started and it's like, you know, everyone's always making judgment calls about how you should be or how you should present based on things like blue eyeshadow or like a green, green hair. And it's like, I just, it's too much. And I'd rather just speak and put context behind my actions by speaking as opposed to someone being like, oh no, I totally get you. Like, I get what you're going for. You. Like, I get it. <laughs> Darling. DJ, green hair, like. I see you. I understand. I get it. No, don't speak. Don't speak. I get it. And yeah. like, mm, but I, mm, mm, mm. So now I think that I'm in this stage where I'm like, it, you're allowed to 
not be the most extravagant person in the room. Like, it's okay. You can speak. People will understand. You don't have to sort of, yeah, the the excess everything was a way to be like, I'm interesting too. Like, I've got an interesting life and an interesting job. I do interesting things all the time. And it's like, yeah, people know. It's okay. Like, you can just wear a neutral today. <laughs> when you were looking for looks and you know bright makeup and and all of this sort of thing did you find that on your own or were you looking at beauty bloggers for inspiration definitely beauty instagram platforms yeah. i think there's there was a long while when there were specific things trending on instagram like the very um how to word this like uh the very aspirational like kardashian-esque look and I was like there's got to be like like the antithesis to this like what are people who don't want a full face of makeup wearing and then it just like I was looking at different publications and different fashion photographers and looking at artists they were working with and then Instagram is a great place for sourcing inspiration I was like wow there are people here who are taking risks and without the expectation that it's wearable or that it's pretty or that we're concealing and hiding but just experimenting and I think for me Makeup got into a funny territory when I was really trying to change the way I looked, not creatively accessorize it. And it's like, it seems like the same thing. Like, oh, you know, that's what concealer does. It just, no, no, no. (laughs) Concealer is hiding. (laughs) You know, so it's like I had to start peeling back. It's like, maybe I won't wear the foundation. Do I really need it? And maybe I won't do the false lashes. Do I really need it? Maybe I will put blue, yellow and orange eyeshadow on because (laughs) it's clearly not real. And it's like, doesn't need to be. It's creative. It's saying something and it's nice. It's a nice outlet. I love that. (laughs) I wish I had the confidence to sort of wear bold eyeshadows, but I don't think I'm quite there yet. We've got to unpack it (laughs) and we'll get there together. (laughs) Uh, Are there any palettes that you um, reach for over and over again? Absolutely. I'm all about the inexpensive but super pigmented palettes. So like Juvia's Place pops off. There's this (laughs) Beauty Bay palette called EYN and I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I don't know if it's an acronym. Who knows? But they have like a nine color palette that's all mattes and a nine color palette that's all shimmers, all bold colors, all primary. It's like good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like in a trance. I'm like, wow, yeah, it's really good. (gasps) Sports Girl does fantastic makeup. Mm, I will back you up on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports Girl. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, on your makeup journey, Mm. you got to a point that. Jackie and I are both very jealous of Jamila Jamil from The Good yeah. Place said that you were her makeup icon. How, how was that? <laughs> are you okay? You, are you okay now? <laughs> Honestly, sometimes when this external validation comes in, like, but what took everybody so long? <laughs> I've been you and now you now know. It's so interesting because that came out of nowhere. It's not like so we'd had conversations beforehand. She's like, oh, this is really great. She just like published it. It was like, hey, I like what you're doing and I appreciate it. And let me amplify you, not once, not twice, but multiple times over the course of weeks. <laughs> you won't stop being good to me. And it's so lovely. And it's just so awesome because I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's just, it's nice to have like your creative outlet validated by people who may not be like your peers. So I think the beauty community can be quite insular and it's like, oh no, you get it because you're also a beauty influencer and like these people don't get what we're doing. They're not using the products we're using. This is just a person It's like, hey, I saw it and I like it. So I'm going to share it with my millions of followers. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's fine. It's casual. It happens all the time. (laughs) We're besties now. No biggie. Honestly, like me and Jam. (laughs) (laughs) Have there been any other kind of surreal moments since you've started this whole thing 
I mean, other than being broadcast to millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> Surreal is an interesting one. Uh, I think that, you know, it's the, it's little things. Cause I only started doing the beauty stuff like in April. So it hasn't really been that long, but I've like, I did a campaign for Maybelline and then one for Rimmel. And I was like, well, my mum knows what these brands are. Like this is like transcending the norm of like the community. It's like mainstream and global and it's super awesome. I did, um, like I'm not going to brag or anything, but while we're here, <laughs> let's brag. Um, when I DJed for Rihanna at her Fenty Beauty uh, launch party in Sydney, it was just, it wasn't chill. It wasn't. <laughs> and she was just so, so beautiful and just such a human in real life. You kind of forget that people are people sometimes. And she yeah. was just like about five foot eight and just lean and, and pure and wholesome and just so happy to be there. And she stayed the whole time. She was like there for the duration of the party. And I was like, wow, you are a person and <laughs> I like it. I don't know how I can even ask you a question after that. I'm still, I'm still reeling. <laughs> and she was just, and she would Brianna. smile <laughs> and it just be like, hey. And she was like, hey, sis. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm, mm, hello. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I don't want to say anything else to you at the moment. <laughs> uh, um, one of my personal favourite segments, I guess you could call it, on um, your YouTube channel mm. is Flex Phone. Hectic. I love this so much. Mm. Did you ever think that you would be Offering advice to young girls and guys? Absolutely. I do it all the time. (laughs) Just anybody, someone's, anytime someone's talking, I'm like, hey, let me help you. Because I've read a few books. I've done a lot of thinking in my time and I'd love to weigh in. But see, Flexone was interesting because I did want a way for people to contact me. But I think that just DMs, it's just, it's, it's such like one dimensional chatting. You reply to a story, now you're in the DMs. It's all convoluted. It's not very clear. Like, are you talking to me? Are you just replying to like, it was too much. So, as I was walking in the shops, um, looking to impulse buy, I saw the phone. Mind you, I thought it'd be a lot cheaper than it was, but I had like, I'd already <laughs> asked the guy to go get it out the back, and I was like, I'll get, I'll get it, I'll get the phone. And so, creating the hotline I wasn't really prepared for how many people would text me because I was prepared to just text back but you've seen those old school Nokias like it's a lot of clicking to get to one letter so I quickly decided that that wasn't my calling (laughs) but I was happy to read them out and speak to people but I think it's also quite interesting what people are willing to share under the veil of anonymity you know it's just they're going right in and I also think it's really interesting that people don't think they have an outlet to share anywhere else like to the Mm. point where you would go out of your way to text an anonymous essentially stranger to divulge your secrets to without without the guarantee of a response you know must be cathartic i don't know if i'd do it but i'm so happy to share and get involved don't you think because i, I think, think discourse is, yeah. is really really important and we're just not having enough conversations yeah and i think it also gets it gets to like a really critical point before we discuss anything like it's got to be this mainstream really terrible thing and then we can discuss like the elements of x y and z let's just talk about it every day and there have been some really hectic texts and i'm just like <laughs> i would love to delve deeper i need context and details but for now i'm happy to go with face value because i decided in late 2018 that i'm no longer reading between the lines because that'll get you <laughs> just you got to take what people say acknowledge it absorb it and then you know 
respond with the facts. With the facts. Like, no, not personal experience, not a hunch, not like (laughs) a presumption. Just that's what you said. That's what I read. Well, I mean, I suppose it's probably time that we need to wrap this up, although it has been delightful. Yes. So I need to ask you our quick fire five questions. First one. Mm. If you could only use one beauty product for the rest of your life, what would it be? Lip balm. Oh. What one word would you use to describe your beauty routine? Hot. (laughs) Your biggest beauty fail? Big blocky eyebrows. (laughs) One beauty trend you've never mastered? Uh, Restraint. When do you feel the most beautiful? In lip balm. (laughs) And our kind of final overall question is, if you could give your 16-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you say to her? It's okay to want for more. Fair. I think that's a great one. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you so much for coming into GFHQ. It's been an absolute blast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Happy to hang. <laughs> we don't have to stop now. <laughs> As we do every episode, we'll be taking you through our holy grail products of the week and our beauty fails. So, Alana, hit me. Did you break the bank again this week? Surprisingly, no. What? I have a very low-key find that I'm deeply obsessed with this week. Listening. So, as you may know, Drew Barrymore launched her own beauty line a few years ago, but it has been untouchable for us poor Australians. Yes. It's recently come out, though. I couldn't find it, and I was just wandering through Chemist Warehouse the other day, and I stumbled upon the display for Flower Beauty, and I was like... Well, of course I want to try you. It's a sign. Duh. So I bought the foundation. It's the Light Illusion Foundation. Yeah. It was $13.99. What? It's so good. I mean, I am an oily gal, so I do need to powder. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit shiny sometimes. But otherwise, for less than $14, you can't go wrong. It's beautiful. She's stunning. But it's exclusively at Chemist Warehouse, I found out. You can't buy it anywhere else. Wow. So how many BB stars do you give it? I'd give it a four. It would be five if it didn't make me look so glossy. What's yours this week? Mine, actually, for the first time ever, I think, tops your price point. (laughs) I gave the Luna play it's the foreo little scrubby oh yeah 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 yeah. the little like little vibrating disc yes yeah yeah (laughs) it is incredible you were talking about how much you loved your clarisonic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I really wanted to get that deep clean feeling you know when it really gets right down in your pores that it almost burns that's what I live for Yeah. yeah and my little $65 from Sephora so it's not too bad But it's amazing. It has changed my skin forever. I wash my face and I think that I've got all my makeup off. When I use it, literally makeup from weeks before pours out that I thought that I'd scrubbed off. How many BB points? Well, I'm going to give it 3.5 because it is a rough exfoliant. You can't use it all the time. I need to tell you about my beauty fail. Yes. It's more of a beauty tragedy than a fail this week, though. It's We need a moment of silence. So it starts with a holy grail, as you know, Jackie. Yes. I am deeply obsessed with the Bobbi Brown Smoky Lash Mascara. Oh, so much. You? I love it so much. I'll buy two because, you know, I can't be without it. Once this one runs out, I need another one. So I'll just I'll have my that. backup ready. But then somewhere within the next three months, the average mascara lifespan, (laughs) I forgot that I'd bought two 
finished that one and then realised I had a replacement. Went to open it. Oh, no. She dried out. She dried she out. She dried out on me. <laughs> it's okay. Before I could buy a new one, clear eyes, eye drops. Just drop those bad boys in your mascara. Shake her up a little bit. I have heard of this hat. Mm-hmm. I only got about two weeks out of it, but better than wasting $40 on a mascara that I forgot about. So, you know, oh. it wasn't as perfect, but it worked. It did the job. That's all we have time for today, girlfriends. But please make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. It means you can get into more ear holes each and every week, plus find out what you're loving. You can also find us on Instagram at Beauty Boss Podcast and make sure you tell us what you want to hear more of and who you want to hear it from. But until then, don't over exfoliate. Bye. Bye.